I'm Miles McPherson. Welcome to The Rock. If you're a visitor, uh, we are starting our second week in a series called Mind Your Business. Um, A lot of times throughout the year, I'll tell you this is the most important sermon of your life. Today (laughs) is the most important sermon of your life. Amen. Before I get to that, um, you might have just saw on the screen that um, I wrote a book called The Third Option which comes out September 11th. It's not available right now for y'all. It's just a little early copy, but uh, it comes out September 11th. It's a Tuesday on September 15th. We're gonna have an event here. Uh, The event's gonna be about two, two and a half hours. We have an incredible cast that's gonna be part of the event. We have uh, Tevin Frazier from Entertainment Tonight, Megan Alexander from Inside Edition, Michael Jr. is gonna bring some some comedy, and Keone and Mario dancers. Actually, Keone and Mario, they they dance all over the world on talk shows and do videos for Justin Bieber, et cetera. I dedicated him when he was a baby, and now he's traveling around the world. He's awesome, amen, that's cool, ain't it, amen? I mentioned last week that um, during that event, we're going to give a presentation on the third option, and then we're going to have some Q&A with pastors around the country. Um, and as part of it, we're going to talk about next steps. And one of the next steps is they having a discussion with people of different ethnicities. It'll be a very moderated discussion. Uh, it is not uh, where you uh, interact in a sense, challenge somebody. It's really where you learn someone else's story. It is not someplace where you comment on their story, you just listen. So we'll give you questions where you answer questions about yourself and then you listen to them. Uh, Anytime these conversations uh, get uncomfortable, you can simply raise your hand and say the word family and everybody stops talking. So it is not a confrontation. We want people to learn about other people. And so what I mentioned last week that it would be good if you wanna do that discussion because it's optional. Everyone say optional. Say optional. That means after the, after the two-hour event, we're going to have the discussion on your own. We have 176 churches right now that have signed up to host this all around the country. It is free. Amen. Amen. Can I get amen? We know, we know Saddleback is hosting it and some other churches. And what they're doing is calling other churches in so they can create diverse audiences because most churches are not diverse, like 97% uh, in the country. And so we're asking them to invite other churches in their community to have together and then them have this optional discussion after. And so what I mentioned last week is that you would predetermine who you're going to have that discussion with. In other words, pick somebody, two people, groups of three or four, uh, two people or so that are different ethnicity than you that you can have a discussion with before you come. So when you come together, you have the discussion. The discussion is optional. So the whole exercise of finding someone different than you is optional. Last week, that was not clear, so I want to make that very clear. Uh, There were a couple people last week who said, well, I don't know anybody that's different than me. Um, We want to help you. (laughs) Now, understand this. Please understand this. This is the whole purpose. This is the whole purpose. We do not want you, whoever you are, to miss out on the amazingness of the people around you. And if you only know people who are like you, you're only seeing this part of the world. And so this is the greatest opportunity for you to let us help you. Number one, it's so simple. Look right or look left. And there's going to be someone different than you. And in this building and all the campuses, you may after service say, hey, look, would you mind having a conversation with me? Let's try it. Step out. It's scary. I know. 
I get it. It's scary. But what a shame to enjoy Mexican food but not enjoy the people who make it. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Come on now. Ah! Come on now. I am, God is going to break something loose up in here. So, so here's my challenge. Here's my challenge. Um, number one, uh, find somebody here. Just say, you know, God bless you. Hey, would you mind having a conversation? If you can't find anybody, don't not come. Just come. Okay? That day you may find somebody or you may just go home. It's okay. But don't not come. September 15th. Now, you can also text the word friend to 52525. <laughs> text the word friend to 52525 and we'll try to match you up. Okay? It's called uh, ethnic match. I don't know what we're going to call it. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, I got to look at my time. Um, this topic is the scariest topic. But the kingdom of God and the love of God is going to break that scariness and break the change of that. Amen. We're going to have it. We're going to have it. So, but again, if you, if you feel like I don't know anybody, I don't want, oh, by the way, you need to pray, do you want to know somebody? Lord, do I want to break that barrier, whatever it is, intimidation, fear, ignorance, or just indifference, whatever it is, I don't know. Do I want to know somebody? Do I want, because it's a shame to come to church and sit next to people you don't want to know. That's not the kingdom. That's religion. So that's the whole reason we're doing this. See? Amen? Can I, let's give the Lord a big hand on that. Come on. Okay. I gotta, I, I'm a mess this morning because I got so much on my mind. Dr. Amen. I don't, have, I don't have his bio. Oh, wait a minute. Let me back up. Let me back up. By the way, let me distract you and throw you off. My wife bought me some new shoes. Check them out. Check them out. Check them out. <laughs> Dr. Amen is a uh, clinical psychiatrist, went to Oral Roberts University, 10-time New York Times bestseller. Uh, he, has, he scans brains. He not only gets symptoms, but he actually looks at your brain uh, five years ago. So I met him like 25, 30 years ago. We can't even remember. And, but recently, he, you know, five years ago, so he scanned my brain and told me I had ADD. And my wife like went, did you pay for that scan? Because <laughs> I could have told you that for free. <laughs> so listen, I want y'all to stand up and give Dr. Amen a big round of applause. Amen. Come on now, let's give him a big round of applause. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, come on, come on. You may be seated. Uh, I got I to gotta tell my introductory story, which I was supposed to do before you came out here, because uh, this is going to set it up. Can you imagine if God planned this amazing life for you and you were holding on to the one thing that was spoiling it, negative thoughts? Can you imagine that God has made you an amazing, incredible person? You are beautiful and wonderful and marvelously created. But you are holding on to the one thing that was blinding you from that fact, negative thoughts. Today we're going to talk about getting rid of negative thoughts. How many of y'all got negative thoughts? Amen. How many of y'all are human? You got negative thoughts. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Amen, say hello to my peoples. <laughs> My family, you're my family. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Uh, thank you so much for having me. 
It's a pleasure. Tell us about your background. I didn't, I didn't do your introduction justice because I forgot my introduction paper. <laughs> so as you said, I'm a psychiatrist, nearly 40 years. I love it. Um, I'm here in a military community. When I was 18, Vietnam was going on and I was going to get drafted. So I became an infantry medic where my love of medicine was born. But about a year into it, I realized two important things about myself. I didn't like sleeping in the mud, it wasn't me. And I hated being shot at. I just couldn't get used to it. So I got myself retrained as an x-ray technician and developed a passion for imaging. And then when I was a second year medical student at Oral Roberts University, um, someone I loved tried to kill herself and I took her to see a wonderful psychiatrist and I came to realize if he helped her, which he did, it wouldn't just help her. Ultimately, it would help her children and even her grandchildren is they would be shaped by someone who was happier and more stable. So I fell in love with psychiatry um, because I realized it can change generations of people. But I fell in love with the only medical specialty that never looks at the organ it treats. And so I'm like, we can do better. Can we pause on that? When you break your leg, they take an x-ray. When you have a tumor, they do an MRI or a scan or ultrasound, whatever. But the, when you have mental problems, they don't look at your brain. And because of that, there's stigma associated with mental health problems because they are, in fact, brain health problems that everybody wants a better brain. And so uh, I've been dedicating my life, my biggest book is called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, um, because you're not stuck with the brain you have. You can make it better, and you can make it better by changing the quality of your thoughts. So he's going to drop a whole lot of bombs on you. Please get out a pen or something that you can write with. We're gonna put some stuff up on the screen that's not in your lesson plan that I'm gonna ask you to take a picture of. I'm gonna interrupt him when I think there's a bomb that you just got that you wanna hear again. And one of the things he just said is that you can change your brain and your thoughts. You are not and do not have to be a slave to your thoughts. You do not have to be a slave to your thoughts. How many of you would love to change your thoughts? Okay, there you go, we're good. Let's talk, go ahead. Well, one of the biggest things I've learned is that whenever you have a thought, your brain releases chemicals. Um, you have a thought, an electrical transmission goes across your brain, your brain releases chemicals and every thought affects every cell in your body. Every thought affects every cell. And whenever you have a sad thought, a mad thought, an angry thought, a hopeless thought, a helpless thought, your brain releases chemicals that make you feel bad. Immediately, your muscles get tense, your hands get cold, you start to sweat, and your breathing rate and your heart rate changes with all of the thoughts. Negative thoughts, negative feelings. Positive thoughts, happy thoughts, hopeful thoughts, loving thoughts, create a completely different chemical environment in your body and your body reacts immediately. And thoughts are automatic, they just happen. And when they're negative, now you see where I'm going with this, automatic negative thoughts, those are ants. And one day I came home from my, um, I had four suicidal patients 
two couples who hated each other, two teenagers who ran away from home, because I'm, I'm also a child psychiatrist, and I was so stressed. And I walked into my house to an ant infestation. And as I'm cleaning them up, I'm thinking ants, ants, automatic negative thoughts. My patients are infested. And so the next day at work, I brought a can of ant spray. And we started talking, how do you eliminate the automatic negative thoughts that are stealing your happiness, that drive panic? So you have thoughts that are positive and negative. Matter of fact, right to Dr. Amen's right is a canister with uh, 60,000 bubbles, or peanuts they call them. 75% of them are negative, give or take. Most of the thoughts you have are negative, okay? Negative thought, negative reaction, positive thought, positive reaction. Uh, a lot of them are automatic, they just happen. However, the Bible says that commands us to take thoughts captive and submit them to Christ, make them obedient. So when someone says you're not worthy, no, I'm submitting that to the Word of God. The Word of God says God died for me, I'm worthy. Okay? And so put up Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, because I want to read this because renewing our mind and changing our thinking is a commandment from God. If you were here last, weren't here last week, please get the message. But last week we talked about the fact that we are body, mind, or spirit, or soul, and spirit. And the spirit of God lives in us, and the spirit of God communicates with our soul, part of which is our mind. And then, then we have a body. And so when the spirit of God is whispering to you, you have to make a decision to obey or not obey. You make a decision to pursue God or not pursue God. Too many times we're, we're just waiting for God to do it. We have to make a decision to do it. And if your mind is constantly telling you negativity, God doesn't love you, God's not going to answer your prayer, he's not with you, you are not going to pursue God. You're not going to read your Bible. You're going to take matters into your own hands. So now we have to renew our mind. Look what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 12. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then it says, part two, part two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. This is a commandment. Be transformed. This is a commandment. Be transformed. This is a commandment. Why do I have a psychiatrist at church? Be transformed. This is a commandment. <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good of the will of God. Real quick, Peter's walking on water. Jesus is standing in front of him, walking on water. Peter says, call me. He steps out of the boat. He walks on water. And he's walking on water. And he says, this does not make sense. I shouldn't be able to walk on water. And guess what? He's something. Peter said, you are a little faith. You should have thought about the miracle that I was doing and the power I have instead of your limited understanding of the supernatural. And if you're living here, mentally, that's where you're limiting, saying, God, you, I'm not allowing you to act in my life. So, okay, that's my speech. <laughs> Number one. So what we're <laughs> going to teach you has been found in hundreds of scientific studies to decrease depression, to decrease anxiety, and improve your re relationships. And at Amen Clinics, I have eight clinics around the country, we love this concept called tiny habits. What is the smallest thing you can do today that will make the biggest difference long-term for you?
And one little tiny habit I teach all my patients is start every day with today is going to be a great day. Because then your mind will find why it's going to be a great day and it will be so much better. Everybody say today's going to be a great day. Say God loves me. Say nothing can change that. Say I am marvelous. Say I am beautiful. Everybody's not saying it. So either you don't want to participate or you don't believe it. Or you just don't want to participate because you just, uh, no, let's, let's try it one more time. Say, today's going to be a great day. Fabulous. Okay, good. The second tiny habit, and this one's the most important one, is whenever you feel sad, whenever you feel mad, whenever you feel nervous or out of control, I want you to write down what you're thinking. Write down what you're thinking. Let's put these on the screen. And by the way, we're going to put about seven of them up here. This is what you need to take a picture of, write down. This is your homework for the rest of your life if you want to change your brain. How many of you want to change your brain? We're giving it to you. If you do this, your life will change. If you do this, your life will change. Am I saying it the right way? Yes, you are. Okay. And in your handout, you'll see that there are different kinds of ant species. There are different ways we distort our thoughts to make them worse. So you can look at those things like fortune telling and mind reading and blame and guilt. But I really want you to get this process. In fact, uh, Pastor this? McPherson and I are going to do this together. Can we go uh, through these really quick? Just really so quick. So, um, always thinking, which Get this is out. Get this where out. you think in words like always, never, everyone, every time, um, and they're always wrong. Uh, anytime you say you always do this or you never do that, it's a lie. Mind reading, where you arbitrarily believe you know what somebody else is thinking, even though they haven't told you. Um, and I've got 25 years of education, I can't tell what anybody's thinking. A negative look from someone else may mean nothing more than they're constipated. You don't know. <laughs> Fortune telling is where you're, and this is also catastrophizing, it's you take something and you just predict it's going to turn out badly. That's the ant that drives panic disorder. Labeling. Um, so with your new book coming out, it's all about labeling. It's where you label yourself or someone else with a negative term. I'm a loser. He's an idiot. Whenever you do that, you lump yourself or the other person with all the losers you've ever known, and you can't deal with that person um, effectively. Um, blame. The biggest red ant on the planet. We hear this now politically all the time. Blame. Whenever you blame someone else for the problems that you have, you're a victim, you're powerless, you can't change anything. We have to get rid of that. Personalization is you take something that's innocuous and make it apply to you. Guilt beatings. Growing up Catholic, I became masterful. It's just not helpful, right? Whenever you think, I should, must, ought, have to. It makes people feel bad, so it actually doesn't motivate them, it demotivates them. It's what's your goal in this situation? Thinking with your feelings, I feel like you don't care about me, therefore I make my feelings a reality when in fact feelings lie all the time. And focusing on the negative. So, you know, 15 things happened and the only thing you're focused on is what one thing that didn't go right. So, Here's the exercise. Whenever you feel bad, 
write down what the thought is. So do you have an example for yeah. us? So one of, my, one of my aunts, and I think I, I probably I identify with all of them in some form or fashion, um, but one of them is fortune-telling slash catastrophizing. So I started this book a year and a half ago or so, and for about 12 months plus, I would stand over there and worship in fear that this was going to destroy our church. That white people are going to be mad because I said this, the black people are going to be mad because I said this, and it's going to destroy your church. And at the time, attendance was okay, giving was down, and the devil was saying, this is going to destroy, and I lived with fear. And, and, that, so, and every time I wrote something, it was like, how am I going to write that, and what about that, and what about that? And I had so many people that would help me write it. And that snowballed into, I'm going to destroy what God has built all the time. And, and you know, you have a diverse church. Why you got to, why you got to add the promise to it? And why you got to, it's just leave it the way it is. And I said, no, I feel like God's supposed to say this, do this. And I was writing and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. And, and uh, so that was, that was a, an So let's take that thought. Let's hit it. This book, the third option, is going to destroy my church. Yes. Is that true? So the first, so you write down the thought, and then the first question, the most powerful question, is it true? So if you can put up, is it true? Thank you. So, is that true? No. See, right away, you begin to crack the thought. If, when you write it down, you get it out of your head. Right? That's why it's important to do the process like I tell you. So many of you know, my patients are like, ah, I don't have to write it down. I'll just go, no, write it down because then you get it out of your head. Is it true? That's the first question. Now, you might have said yes. The next question. Or I might have said maybe, possibly. Or maybe, right, right, I don't know. Are you 100% sure it's true that the third option will destroy your church? Or am I 100% sure it could? And the answer is absolutely no. Absolutely no, because there are very few absolutes in the world. But the third question, sort of the rubber question, um, how do I feel when I believe the thought? So how did you feel when you believed the thought that the book could destroy the church? I was fearful, nervous, um, um, guilty. You know, that, that I made a mistake. Uh, it was defeated, all those thoughts. So self-recrimination. Mm -hmm. And are you more likely to do your purpose, the reason God put you on the earth, with the thought or without the thought? Less likely. And, and even in the process of continuing to pursue what, I felt God say to do, it was an uphill battle because I was fighting against myself. This is such an important question because what you then begin to realize, it's your thoughts that are often a lie, thoughts that aren't true, that drive anxiety, drive depression, they can drive relationship problems, they can even drive suicide and homicide. It's the negative thoughts. So then we get to the fourth question, which was... Is this making sense to y'all? Yeah. So I, I'm being honest with you. I mean, I, I, I tell y'all my stuff all, all the time, so I'm good with that. Um, 
I want you to think about yours because you will have incredible victory you're going to see in a minute. When you do this, if you do this, it will change your life because the devil's a liar and he wants us in bondage. And so you might want to even now write down a couple of your common ants or negative thoughts. So write it down. Is it true? Can I absolutely know if it's true? How do I feel when I believe the thought, right? These thoughts drive bad feelings. The fourth question is how would I feel if I didn't have that thought, if I couldn't have that thought? Powerful. And, and, and by the way, this question for your sake is a twofold question, and for me as well. How would I feel if I didn't have this particular thought? And this is even the bigger win. How would I feel or you feel if you never had a fortune tell anymore? Or if you never had to have always thinking in general? So for all of you who blame all the time, imagine if you didn't have to blame anymore. You would be set free. Because a lot of y'all, all of us, we read, we pray, we go to church, yet we still have all this mind stuff. Well, how, how do we have both those things? Because we're not doing our mind work. So how I would feel is powerful if I didn't catastrophize so many things in my life. That I say, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to ruin us. This is gonna, and I do that all the time, go to the nth degree. And it's like, and it doesn't happen. And it's a lie. And it's such a draining waste of time. Now, I know some of you are out there and you're like, but there are scary things out there. So this is not about positive thinking. I'm actually not a fan of positive thinking. Positive thinking, you know, means we can go to lunch, I can have three pieces of cheesecake, and it's not going to affect my weight or my health, right? The people that don't worry be happy people on this planet, according to the largest research um, longevity research ever done started in 1921. The people who died the earliest were the don't worry, be happy people. So this is not about positive thinking. This is about honest thinking, accurate thinking. I just want you to tell yourself the truth. And, and by the way, the reason, the reason that the people who I don't care about, because they just do dumb things. So even when I was worried about this, I really had to think about, okay, what, what am I fearful of? And I had to think about making sure that I was uh, addressing what I was thinking about. In other words, I didn't say, well, I, I don't care. I'm going to write it anyway. I said, okay, how do I write this so I, the message that is in my heart will be received by all of you the way you receive it every week? And, and so I did that work. Which is really important. Yes. So, so here the distinction, this is not positive thinking. This is taking the thoughts captive. John 8, 32, know the truth. The truth will set you free. This is getting to the truth of your own thoughts. And then the last thing we do, so you write down the thought, is it true can I absolutely know if it's true? How do I feel when I believe this thought? How would I feel without the thought? And then I want you to take the original thought. This book will tear apart our church. And turn it to the opposite. Yes! So the exact opposite yes! of the thought that tortures yes! you is what? 
It is not only going to strengthen us. It is not only going to bring us closer together. It is not only going to liberate all of you. When you go to work, your life is going to be transformed because you're going to be able to relate to people on a whole different level than you ever had before. And your fears and apprehensions and whatever you, however racism has torn you apart from people, it is going to unite you and God's going to tear those walls down. It's going to do it in other churches as well. Amen. Come on. So now I'm like jacked up. Please take a picture of that. Please take a picture of that. Please take a picture of that. Do this in your life. Be honest with yourself. Write this down, take a picture, whatever it is. You just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> yes, baby. We goosebump <laughs> over here. We goose. <laughs> Four-year-olds can learn this technique. This is not hard. Um, we, we, you have to get this yourself because when you start correcting your thoughts, your, your relationships are going to be better. And then what I want you to do is teach it to someone else because it is in the act of giving that you receive. And so get it, give it away, and then you'll create a healthier family, a healthier workplace, healthier friends, can make a big difference. Did y'all get that? Um, if you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it up there again. Please take a picture. Now I'm gonna ask all of you to do something. Um, raise your right hand, please. Okay, you can put it down. Raise your left hand, please. Okay, you can put it down. Did the Holy Spirit raise your hand? It's not a trick question. You know, it's, it's not a trick question. It's real simple. Say no. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, oh, yeah, I'm spiritual. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Stop. <laughs> You're too saved, okay? <laughs> you can be too saved, okay? Here's too saved, going in and out and praying about what you're going to get. Just get something. It's all the same. It's hamburgers and fries, okay? It's all going to kill you, okay? Now, <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. You raised your hand. You made a decision. And then you made another decision. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to you all the time. Get up and pray. You have to decide to obey. Stop dwelling on negativity. You have to decide to stop dwelling on negativity. Read your Bible. Get in our group. Go to life class. Start tithing. And pay attention to how I resp God responds to you obeying. You have to make that decision. If you make that decision, your life will change. If you don't, then you, it doesn't. And then don't complain. You can't say, I went to church and nothing happened. Well, you have to obey God. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. This right here, I, I'm going through this right now. I'm going through this right now. This is amazing. Last week we talked about managing your moments. That when you get anxious fearful or, or you're, you're paralyzed in your thoughts that you stop and take them captive and say, can I be sure what I'm worried about right now is true? Can I be 100% sure? Let me write it down. And when you start to write it down, I was talking to a guy in San Diego who's a very successful uh, uh, businessman and, and he makes good money, very good money, and he worries about being homeless. I'm like, that is like so far 
And you have so many people that would bail you out and help you out. How do you go from, and we're sitting in his jacuzzi. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In the house that he owns, we're sitting in the jacuzzi having this conversation. And he says, I worry about being homeless. I'm like, how do you get from being in the jacuzzi, well fed, by the way, <laughs> to being homeless? This, the devil will take you as far as you let him. We're going to take communion in a minute. And when we take communion, we are reminded of what God has done for us. Not only what he has done for us so you can be saved and go to heaven, but what he has done for you so you can walk with God and have an incredible life. Not just, not just so you can come to the rock and say, I'm a Christian and I'm in a club, but that you can walk with him and have an amazing life. Beyond what you can ask or imagine. Now, by the way, does walking with God kind of scary? Oh, most definitely. Because he's going to take you beyond what you could ever thought you could ever ask or imagine. But by faith, the more you get to trust him and know him, the more you're going to see miracles happen in your life. But those come with you deciding to say, God, I'm going to trust you even though I don't have all the information. That's what walking by faith is. Walking by faith is not being comfortable. It's being obedient. I've been uncomfortable for over a year, very uncomfortable, okay? But I believe that's what God was calling me to do, and, and more so now than ever. And so now you have to just trust him, say, okay, God, I'm going to do it. So in a minute, we're going to take communion, and what you have to, what I, what I would encourage you to do is ask Christ to be your Savior before you take communion, because when you take communion, what you're saying is, God, I realize that you died and rose from the dead for me. But if you have rejected him as your Savior, what you're telling God is, I'm taking communion because I'm acknowledging that you died and rose from the dead for me, but I reject you. So you don't want to do that. What you want to do is say, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. Come in my heart, be my Savior, and then take communion. Now, if you don't want to ask Christ to be your Savior, that's fine. If you don't, what you don't want to do, but don't take communion. Because you're not going to go to heaven because you took communion. You're only condemning yourself in the sense that you're admitting you know the truth. So in a minute, we're going to pray. <clears throat> and it's very simple. Do you believe by fact that Jesus died for you? He either did it. He did or he didn't. Well, the fact of the matter is there was a man named Jesus who lived and died. And <clears throat> it's a fact that he rose from the dead. His tomb is empty and no one has ever found his body. Matter of fact, he walked around for 40 days after he rose from the dead. That's a fact. And it's also a fact in the middle of the day, he ascended into heaven. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And part of the evidence of that is all the people you're sitting around right now. The lives that have been changed. Cocaine, two years. And marijuana, eight years. Me. And all the people around you who've been delivered by small craziness. If you've been delivered by craziness, say amen. amen. There you go. That means you got a lot of work. Get some craziness up in here. <laughs> it's like, so, and by the way, where is only one other place I know can get this diverse of people together. And by the way, unfortunately, churches can't even do it. Don't even, for, for the most part. We're grateful we have that. But this and sporting events, football. <laughs> but it's God. It's God, that we can all be together from all different backgrounds and all different drama and worship the same God. So in a minute, you're going to have an opportunity to ask Christ to be your Savior. But it's a decision you make. 
I am going to give my life to Christ. That's a decision you make. You make it or you don't. It doesn't have anything to do with what you feel. Your feelings will lie to you. It's by faith. It's by faith. If you were to stand on the 11th floor of a, of a, of a building in the balcony and say, I, have, I positively believe I can fly. You can believe it all you want. You won't die. <laughs> the reason you don't jump is because you have faith or trust in the facts. And the fact is gravity. That's faith. Faith is not based on what you feel. It's based on fact. In that case, it's fact in gravity. I put my faith in Jesus on the fact that he died and rose from the dead. And he's been faithful in all your lives and in my life. That's a fact. It's not feeling. And sometimes God, I'm doing stuff and, and following God and I'm like scared to death, scared to death. I don't know God because my mind is going all these crazy places. Because like I'm ADD and ADHD and ESPN and all kind of stuff. I got. <laughs> I all kind of letter acronyms in my head, and, and, and I'm fighting just like y'all. But God's like, come on now, come on. We did this before, we did this before, we did this before. And I'm dealing with, it's a constant battle, but it's a battle. So you fight. So I'm going to ask all y'all on all the campuses, all the microsites, all the people watching online, just to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you believe Jesus died for your, your sin and rose from the dead and you would like to ask him to forgive you of your sin, pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I believe you love me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Come live in my heart. and be my savior. I make a decision to surrender my life to you. As all of our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm gonna ask you to stand up. And by standing, you are resurrecting to a new life. You are acknowledging that you are making a decision to follow Jesus. If you would like the person who came with you to stand with you, just grab their hand, tap them on the shoulder. Let them know you would like them to stand with you. So on the count of three, if you pray to ask Christ to be your savior, I'm gonna ask you to stand up. One, make a decision. Two, make a decision. Three. Stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Stand up. God bless you. 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 We see you all over the balcony. We see you all over the room. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless all y'all. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, let's give him a hand. Let's give him a big hand. God bless you. 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 We see you up there. God bless you. Now. Before we take communion, we're going to ask all the people who are standing to come down to the altar. If you're in the balcony, all you got to do is turn around and walk up and the ushers will bring you down. And then we're going to take communion together. So if you're standing up, come on down to the altar. Let's give them a hand. They come on down. You can shake their hand if you want. Shake your hand. Come on, let's give them a big hand. Come on. Amen.
say right there. God bless you. Amen. Come on. Come on. Let's give him a big hand. Come on. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come just stay right there. Just stay right there. God bless you. 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 Hey. God bless you. Oh, that's okay. I got it all, brother. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, God bless you. How are you? God bless you. How good? God bless you. God bless you. You were the first to Sam, brother. You're welcome. You're welcome. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, let's keep shaking that hand. Come on. God bless you. 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 Got you. God bless you. Let's get out of communion. If you do not have a communion cup, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. Um, when we take this, we are acknowledging that Jesus died for us. We take the bread. He said, take the bread at the Last Supper. Take, eat, this is my body. He says, I want you to remember that my physical body was punished, beat, whipped, spit on, hit with rods, nailed to wood. I want you to remember that. That's what this is about. Remember what I did for you. It's a fact. So when I ask you to do something for me, when I ask you to obey me, we don't, there's no whole conversation needs to happen. I already did as much as I could for you. I died for you. Are you following what I'm saying? God bless y'all. God bless y'all. Lord, we thank you so much for dying for our sin. We thank you for you allowing sinful man to beat you, spit on you, whip you, hit you with rods, slap you, pull your beard out, nail you to wood. You didn't have to do that. We take this acknowledging that you did that for us. So we will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. In the Old Testament, they killed animals made animal sacrifices to shed the blood of the animal because of their sins. And God told them, you have to shed blood in order to have your sin forgiven. But because the animal blood was sinful and not holy, they had to do it over and over and over and over and over again. When Jesus died on the cross, his last words were, it's finished. And he said, you don't need to do that anymore. It's finished. My blood was sinless once and for all. If God forgives you, you're done. Don't, don't walk around feeling guilty. Just pursue a relationship with him to develop more intimacy with him. It's finished. In the Old Testament, the priests would never sit down in the temple because there were no seats. He would just serve, 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 serve. It's funny, when Jesus died and he went to heaven, you know what the Bible says? He was seated at the right hand of the Father. No more work. Salvation was, was completely paid for. Lord, thank you that you completely pay for it. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.